If you haven't had your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4, you can turn there. And remember, we started this series on Father's Day with verse 2 of chapter 4. Remember, we talked about our Father in heaven and all those characteristics. Um, We're not going to cover those again, but when I get there, I'll tell you that you can go back to Father's Day sermon online and listen to it, okay? So, if you're looking for those explained again, you're not going to get the full explanation. But Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and then we'll pray together. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to, to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? and also many animals. Let's pray together. God, we come before You at this time with humble hearts, with ready hearts, with listening hearts. But God, I pray for all of us, especially myself at this time, to put away the distractions in our minds, to put away the thoughts of what's coming in the day after service. Help us to put away those distractions and to really pay attention to your word today. It's easy to tune you out, but help us not to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The 
book of Jonah, we're coming to a close, and I have to bring out more books. I was sitting there in the service, and I was thinking, as a minister, you have to be honest. (laughs) And if you were in our Proverbs reading on Thursday, Proverbs chapter 24, I forget the verse, but it says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. A kiss on the lips, sometimes we like, but sometimes we don't like. And as I was sitting there thinking about myself as a minister, my thoughts were distracted. I had so much on my mind, and I was like, get these thoughts out of my mind. I have to preach Jonah chapter (laughs) 4. I have to sing songs of praise to God. I have to take communion to remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I have to um, encourage people today. I have to talk to people afterwards. I have to have a smiling face. But I was sitting there and I was thinking of the verse, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips and sometimes we like it and sometimes we don't. And right now I don't like the honest answer that's for me. Because I was sitting there and all I could think of was, I don't want to be here. But then we meet around the table and we're preaching through Jonah and I'm like, I'm just like Jonah, but God still loves us and loves me. He's there for us. He comes down like Aiden says, he bends down and has a listening ear for us. And no doubt God was listening to my cries But as a minister, you have to be honest. And that's why I needed to be honest with you today. Because my life isn't good all the time. (laughs) And that's why I like family like you. That we meet together on Sunday to be encouraged. To be lifted up. And I think that this ending of Jonah will say it all for each one of us today. Because it did me. So, what do you make of endings? What do we make of endings? Endings to books we read. Do you like endings of books? Some of them yes, some of them no. I'm like, okay, that was a dumb ending. I don't want to read that ever again. We watch movies and shows. Do you like the endings of movies or shows? Same thing. Sometimes yes, sometimes okay, i got to watch and wait for the sequel to come out because I don't know what happened. To meetings we attend. Oh, you're like, when is this going to end, right? Or how is it going to end? Even to church worship services we go to, sometimes we're like, when is it going to end? Or how is it going to end? What do we make of endings? This book of Jonah 
has a good ending. Because you know what? It's no ending. There's no ending to it, and you're going to find out later what, why I chose that title. It's no ending. Look at verse 1. We'll get to no ending, and you're going to have that in your mind the whole time. Good. Think about it, okay? Verse 1, here we go. But to Jonah, that's my favorite word, remember, in the Bible, that's my favorite three-letter word, but. But, the, but Jonah, remember, what just happened? Verse 10 of chapter 3, God saw that what the city of Nineveh did, the people there, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah says, that was wrong, God. He was angry. He became angry. Do you ever become angry? Hopefully not for this reason, but Jonah did. Jonah's like, okay, the city didn't get destroyed. I preached that to him. I said, 40 days and you're going to be overthrown. And it seemed wrong and he became angry because God relented from that threatened destruction of the city of Nineveh. And then you get to the verse 2, which, what did I say on Father's Day if you were with us? This is a prayer full of truth, right? If you just prayed this every day, you would be pretty good. Because you'd be remembering what Jesus, or what God, and Jesus, yes, as God, is. So look what he prayed. He prayed to the Lord. Remember, this is when he's angry, okay? This is when he's angry. He says this, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. He's like, when I was at home, before I even started this trip, I knew this was going to happen. And then he says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah knows this. He's like, God, I knew this about you. That's why I wanted to go far west as possible, away from Nineveh. I didn't want to do it. Remember, he went down, 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 down. And then finally, last week, he arose and went to the city of Nineveh, probably traveled about 500 miles. And then he got to Nineveh, preached that, that sermon, the shortest sermon recorded in the Bible. Well, not really. Jesus did. Repent and believe the good news. But he said, 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. And they did. They turned from their evil ways. And he says, I knew you were going to do that. That's why I didn't want to go. I don't know about you, but I've never prayed that when I was angry. Did you? Or have you? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that when you were angry? I have not, okay? And then verse 3, what happens? Oh man. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah wants to die because of what the Lord has done for the people of Nineveh. I'd rather die, Lord, than live. Wow. Remember what he tried to do in chapter 1? What did he want to do? Throw me overboard. He probably wanted to die then. But what happened? The, the fish came, swallowed him. He prayed in the fish. Fish vomited him out. 
But he wants to die. He's like, I'd rather die than to see these people live. That's what he's saying. And then verse 4, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Okay, I don't know what that sounded like. I don't know what that looked like. But somehow the Lord told Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? I wrote down this. Does what I just did warrant this response from you? Okay? And I'm thinking, like, what if I did something really, really kind, nice for my kids, and they're angry about it? And when I said, is it right for you to be angry? That's what God is telling Jonah, asking Jonah. I just did that, Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry? And then what did Jonah do? Does he answer? Does Jonah give an answer for why he's angry? After, Jesus, after God said, is it right for you to be angry? Does Jonah give a response to him? Nope. What does he do? He had gone out, sat down at the place east of the city, then made a shelter, sat in its shade, and what did he do? He waited to see what's going to happen to what? Nineveh. He makes himself a shelter to shade himself, and he waits for what's going to happen to Nineveh. Then, verse 6, oh man. Remember Jonah, you know who's in control, right? Who's in control in the book of Jonah and throughout all time? Who's in control? The Lord. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Okay, he just made a shelter for shade, right? And now, somehow, the Lord's like, oh, that's not enough shade, Jonah. He makes this leafy plant grow up, God does, to shade Jonah again, more shade. And Jonah's very happy. He's like, thank you, Lord, for this plant you provided for, it, for me. But I like that because, it, I mean, I don't like it, but it eased his discomfort. Even in the midst of Jonah saying, God, I knew you were like that. I'm mad. I want to die. What does God still do? Provide something for Jonah's comfort. Even in the midst of this prophet basically going against God. But he's still there. He still cares about Jonah. Verse 7. Okay, remember Jonah's excited. He's happy. And then look at verse 7. But at dawn the next day, oh, God's in control again, right? He provided a worm. How big are worms? Everybody hold up your fingers. Are worms about that big? I mean, some of them could be bigger. But everybody put your hand up, okay? Just think of a worm that you see on the sidewalk. It's about that big. And this leafy plant is there. And this little worm, what does it do? It chews it up, and what does the plant do? It withers and dies. Do you, can you just, just think about it? God's in control. 
you have this massive violent storm in verse chapter 1, right? This big storm in chapter 1. What happened in chapter 2? I think it's a pretty huge fish to swallow Jonah, right? Not this little fish. But now what does he provide this what? This teeny little worm to chew this leafy plant up. And Jonah was happy about the plant, but now he's not, okay? And then keep going. Verse 8. So the plants withered away. So that's gone. And then when the sun rose, oh, God again is in control. God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. So now this plan is gone. I don't know what happened to his shelter. Okay, The shelter's probably not working very well either. And then this scorching, blazing sun is on his head. Now, anybody been sunburned on their head? Yes, no? I went golfing with a friend on Monday and he didn't wear a hat, and some of you are bald in this room, but he had a bald head, and it was just blazing red. I was like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I should have bought a hat. I'm like, maybe. But Jonah is like, this, his head is just, it's blazing on that sun. And do you think he's still happy? No, because look what he says for the second time or more than that probably, but recorded in chapter 4, he says what? It would be better for me to die than to live. Again. This is the second time he said that, I would rather die than live. But then look what God says. He doesn't just ask him, is it right for you to be angry? He adds, about the plant. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant that I gave you? To ease your discomfort? Is it right for you to be angry about that? And what does Jonah say? Again, the third time he says, It is. I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Three times he says, I wish I were dead. To God. And I don't know why it's not in here, but what could have God done? Just taken his life. But it didn't. God didn't do that. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Three times he says that throughout this interaction, watching and waiting for that city to be destroyed. And then verse 10. My favorite word. But the Lord said. If you're counting the buts in this passage, that's the fourth time there's that transition of thought and transitioning to something different, or in this case, something to think about. But the Lord said, You have been concerned, Jonah, about this plant. And what did Jonah do for the plant? Did he do anything? No. Jonah, God's talking to Jonah and says, Jonah, you did not do anything for this plant. You didn't even make it grow. You didn't water it. You didn't do anything. It grew overnight, and it withered overnight. God did everything for the plant. Jonah was concerned about the plant. And then look at this. Verse 11. So remember, God, you have been, Jonah, concerned about this plant. Verse 11. And should I 
Jonah? God says, Jonah, look at me. Listen to me. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? You had concern about this plant. You had nothing to do with the plant growing or dying. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Should I not have concern, Jonah, for that city, the great city of Nineveh? Should I not have concern? Because there's 120,000 people or more that don't know their right hand from their left and also many animals. Remember chapter 3. What happened in chapter 3? What happened in chapter 3? They, they fasted. They turned from their evil ways, right? They called out to God urgently. The king said, call out to God and don't taste anything, right? Fast and pray, sackcloth and ashes. Maybe God is, you know, who knows, God may relent and God does relent. But should I not have concern for that great city of Nineveh? And there's, there's a couple different ways you can take. There's commentators that have several meanings, not several, a few meanings for 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. A couple of them are, it could be children who don't know their right hand from their left. But a couple commentators said, it could be talking about their spiritual life. They don't know. They haven't heard yet. You think there's people that maybe haven't heard about Jesus yet? But God says, why should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh? Because there's 120,000 people or more who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And I love the ending and also many animals. What happened in chapter 3? Who also fasted? The animals. They made the animals sit down in sackcloth and ashes, I think. Don't give any food or don't let them taste anything. God cares about people and His creation. And the ending there, what's at the end of Jonah chapter 4? The whole book, what's at the very end? What's at the very end? The good old question mark. God asks a question. Should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh? And it ends with a question. It ends with a question. It ends with a question. That's why I said there's no ending to this book. Because we have to think about what we just read, what we've just studied over the course of the last four or five weeks. It makes you think, it makes you stop and say, oh, what did Jonah do after this? What did Nineveh do after this? What did, you know, what did God continue to do after this? There's a question mark. I love question marks. Do you love question marks? <laughs> Some people are saying, uh, not really, but... <laughs> If, you, if somebody asks you a question, you're supposed to give a what? An answer. You get a, you get a question on like a letter or something, what are you supposed to do? Maybe write back with an answer, right? But this book ends with a question and stops. 
There's no ending. We don't know what happens to Jonah. We don't know what happens to Nineveh. We know they turn from their evil ways, and you'll see about 100, 150 years later that they do get destroyed. If you read the prophet Nahum. But endings. And then I looked on my shelf. I was like, I want to know how the commentators end their commentary. So I did. One of them is a paraphrase of the Bible, and, one, and two of them are commentators. So I went to the very end of Jonah, their commentators, and this is how they end. Listen to Rob Lacey. He paraphrases the last question. Why can't I care for them if I want to? Question mark at the very end. And then he says this. How hard question to someone convinced God's only interested in the Jewish nation. It's tough admitting you're wrong. You think Jonah had a tough time admitting he was wrong? That was Rob Lacey. Harold Shank at the end of his commentary says this on Jonah. The last, last couple sentences. For a fourth time, Nineveh is described with a superlative. It was great in wickedness, great in size or complexity, and now finally great in the eyes of the Lord who has deep concerns about its future and its salvation. Paul Butler, in his Jonah commentary, the last thing he says about it. God's ways are not our ways. God does not change. Man must change. It ends with a question mark. So these are some of the takeaways today. And then we'll get to another, you'll see why it's no ending at all after these takeaways. Takeaway number one. So these start with get to know and then grow. Okay? Get to know and grow. So number one, get to know God better. Get to know God better. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. Get to know God better. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. I love the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, and he's talking about, oh, all these earthly things mean nothing to me. They're like garbage. And right in the middle of it, as he's talking, he says, I want to know Christ. If you stop and think about your life, and Jonah ends with a question mark. Get to know God better. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. I hope Jonah grew in his knowing of God and who God is after this. So get to know God better. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. And just like the Apostle Paul, we should always be saying that. I want to know Christ. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to do anything you want me to do. I want to obey your commands. I want to know Christ. Number two, takeaway for today. Get to know people better. Get to know people better. Grow in your relationships with others. And I love Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches a great sermon and many come to repentance and are baptized. 3,000 of them are added that day. 
And then it says this, so get to know people better. Grow in your relationships with others. Look what Luke writes for us in Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They were what? Together, not by yourself, not alone. They're in relationships. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. What did they do? They met together. Relationship. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Ate what? You see how many togethers there are? They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people not just themselves. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you catch that very end there? They're meeting together. They're breaking bread together. They're eating in people's homes together. They have everything in common. They're selling everything. And If you need help, I'm going to give you something. Here's some money to help you buy that thing that you need or help you with a car repair or whatever the case may be. They were doing that. But the very end is so amazing to me because what does it say and the lord who the lord they're meeting together right but then it says the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved Sunday people were getting saved. Monday people were getting saved. Tuesday people were getting saved. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday people were getting saved. Saturday people were getting saved. And what happens again on Sunday? People were adding and getting saved. Because they were what? They had relationships with each other. They had relationships in the community. They went and talked to their neighbors. I finally... I had to return a dish. But I finally went over across the street to talk to the neighbor across the street. Kelsey has, but I have never gone across and talked to them till, yes, till Wednesday. We meet people. We meet together, us. But what happens? The Lord does what? Adds to our number daily. We want that, don't we? So keep meeting together. Another honest answer for myself. Do we like going to things at the church? You don't have to answer out loud. Do you like to come to this place? Do you like to go to somebody's house? Do you like to go out for coffee in the community? Do you like to go meet people somewhere and just talk about Jesus and talk about God and how God is working? Or do you just want to sit in your house and say, nah, I like the comfort of my house. An honest answer again, I love Thursday mornings. I'm the youngest one in the room. But I, <laughs> JD says I'm the oldest. Oh man, but that place is filled with laughter, 
The smell of good coffee, yes, okay? Laughter, sometimes tears, sometimes, you know, sometimes mad. But what do we do? We meet together and we encourage each other. You know, I told somebody, um, I said, I do a Thursday morning gathering in my office. I just set it up for whoever wanted to come. And I told them, I gave them the honest answer. I, I think I gave a couple of you my honest answer. I said, I did it for a selfish reason. I wanted to set this hour time up on Thursday so I don't have to do my normal routine to get out of my normal study habits, to, to meet with people. And I didn't know who was going to show up, but it started with me and JD, I think, two of us, right? When we first started. It was just me and you. Then Cheryl came along, right? And now we have seven of us in there sometimes. It's getting packed. Somebody's like, can I fit in there? Yes, you can. We still have room. We still have room. I'm building rafters later, okay? But then I told somebody... If I didn't have that in a week, I miss it. I'm not fed. I'm not getting encouragement from other people that I normally do in the week. I love that time. But get to know people better. Grow in your relationships with others. And number three, get to know the Bible, God's Word, better. Grow in your relationship with the message you are proclaiming. Get to know the Bible better. Grow in your relationship with the message you are proclaiming to the world around you. Psalm chapter 19 is a good place to start. It's all about God's Word and how precious it is and how it guides us, right? Psalm chapter 119 verse 103. You can probably quote it with me. If you can, you can shout it with me. Thy Word is a lamp for our feet and a light on our path. Get to know the Bible better, God's Word better, so you can proclaim its message to the world. So the ending of Jonah, what does it end with? A question mark. How we respond to the ending of the story of Jonah is up to us. It's up to us how we respond to this ending. Eugene Peterson wrote this, and I love it because I needed it today. Most of us need a biblical friend or two like Jonah. We need a biblical friend or two like Jonah. What did Jonah do? God, I'm going to Tarshish. I don't want to send, I don't want to go to Nineveh and proclaim that message you're going to give me, but what does he do? He goes. And what happens? People respond. The city of Nineveh turn from their evil ways and are turning to God. And God relents. And Jonah gets mad, yes. But we need a biblical friend like Jonah. Because what happens? If we're honest with ourselves, like I said earlier, I don't want to be here. But we need Jonah. Because Jonah didn't want to be there either. <laughs> but God still works. We need a friend like Jonah. It should make us think and ponder what we have learned from the story of Jonah and respond accordingly. And everybody say it with me. It's no 
ending. Continue to think about it. Continue to ponder it. Because Jonah, I think, is a good friend. Because he teaches us many things. And ultimately, God says, Jonah, I didn't give up on you. You're still loved by me. And God said the same thing, right? Happened. What did He do? He sent who? Jesus. God says, I love this world so much, this crazy, wicked, evil, nobody's good world, and sent Jesus, His Son, into the world, came down, was born as a baby. Remember, He was called Jesus because what? He's going to save His people from their sins. He went to the cross obediently, and died. He was taken off the cross. He was buried in a tomb. And is he still there? No, he's risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the, of the Father. Interceding for us. God loves you. God loves me. God loved Jonah. God loves your neighbor. God loves your coworker. God loves your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, your aunts and uncles, your parents if they're still alive, your grandparents, anybody. Who does God love? Everybody. So much that Jesus was sent into the world to die for you and for me. And all who what? Repent, turn from their evil ways and say, I can't do it on my own, God. I need you. And we believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world and then we're baptized into Christ. Buried to our old way of life and we're raised to a new life. Forgiven. And then we receive the best gift, I think, imaginable. The Holy Spirit, who is God, lives inside of you, right? We need a biblical friend like Jonah. And it reminds us, we can't do it on our own. And to be honest with you, I will not stop proclaiming the message of Jesus from this pulpit. Even when I sit there and say, I don't want to be here. And then I realize, I need to be here and I should be here because God loves me. And He loves you. And He wants us to Proclaim the good news about who? Jesus. I'll end with this. There's water. It's not magical water, okay? I did hear it when I was coming in earlier today, and it was stirring up. (laughs) But there's water there. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch... Philip stops his message and the Ethiopian unit, the chariot stops and there's water. What's stopping me? And he gets down and was baptized into Christ and raised to a new life. There's water here. If you need a decision to be made, don't wait. Because God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, 
who relents from sending calamity. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow like we think of slow, but He's waiting patiently that all come to repentance. As far as I check, Jesus hasn't come back yet. He's waiting to come back, I believe, so all people can repent and turn from their evil ways. Don't let that go by you today. Because God loves you. Amazing love. Let's pray today. God, you are amazing. Thank you for our friend Jonah. Even though he was wanted to get away from you, you still did amazing wonders, amazing works, amazing things through Jonah. So thank you for this little book. I pray that we just get to know you better, get to know people better, and get to know your word better. Help us to grow in each of those relationships. Thank you for everybody in this building, everybody online listening. And thank you that you love each and every one. And God, I thank you for songs that we can sing to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.